Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning, and today my guest is Richard Brennan. Richard's an Alexander Technique teacher, author, and the director of training at the Alexander Technique Center based in Galway, Ireland. And we're going to talk today uh, about a an incident that happened in November of 1946 at 16 Ashley Place. And um, what its implications are for Alexander Technique directing. Uh, William, uh, Richard, sorry. Richard, welcome to the show. Thanks, Robert. I'm going to begin. I know this is a, a quote and this is a quote that comes from Walter Carrington's book, A Time to Remember. And I know that you've been thinking a lot about this. And I wasn't actually familiar with the quote until you sent it to me. But uh, it's a topic that I've been thinking about a lot as well. So I think I, I'm going to start by reading it. It's a paragraph long. And then we're going to discuss its implications. So uh, here is the quote. Um, On Monday, the 4th of November, 1946, during the tea break, at 16 Ashley Place in London, Alexander said that he had at last decided that we cut out in the future teaching all instructions to order the neck to relax or to be free because such orders only lead to other forms of doing. If a person is stiffening their neck the remedy is to get them to stop projecting the messages that are bringing out this condition, bringing about this condition, and not to project messages to counteract the effects of the other messages. So all orders in future were to be framed so as to emphasize non-doing. So I guess Walter goes on to say, so this could be the explanation as to why so many teachers teach different things. In other words, the Alexander technique of the 1920s would be very different to the technique of the 1950s. So Richard, what it, what's your takeaway from that um, paragraph well I, I have a few um, stories um, the first one uh, basically was when I was on my own training course it was the first term and I went to a Christmas party at the training course and there was a, a person who was the husband of one of the trainees and I got talking to them and I said to him what do you do and he said well I'm into computers and then he asked me what I did and I said well I I've just started the Alexander Technique training. And he took a step back and he said, oh, you don't look like an Alexander Technique student. So I <laughs> said to him, what, what does an Alexander Technique student look like? And he just bristled up and he really went stiff and he said, they look like they're riding a bicycle without a saddle. 
<laughs> and I, I, at that moment, I decided I, I never want to look like an Alexander student or a teacher for that matter, because there's an element of stiffness around it. Yeah. And when I came across this uh, statement in Walter Carrington's book, it, the, it really triggered a lot of um, uh, things in me that actually, yes, if I'm trying to free my neck, it, it, it's another form of doing. Yeah. On top of that, I went back to my own training course where I trained in Totnes in Devon a year after I trained and I was working with a third year student and I just couldn't get any movement of the head. So I said to her, "Would you? can you just let me move your head for a little bit? And she said, well, I can, but if I do, I'll have to stop directing. Yeah. And for me, and for me, that is something that people do when they think of the neck to, to be free head going up they cause more tension than was there in the first place yeah yeah and that's the form of doing that alexander was talking about yeah uh, yeah go on uh, was yeah, there... and, and the third one was uh, i think you were there as well in 1988 at the second congress two caretakers janitors were overheard each talking in a in their in their little office and one said to the other what are all these people they're very different than the usual conferences we deal with and the other janitor said well i don't know what they they do but all i know is they've all got something wrong with their necks yeah yeah that. and that is, and, and, and that is another you know and that, yeah, from the outside world that's what people are perceiving Exactly. Which is, quite, which is quite worrying, really. Well, it's extraordinarily worrying, given that, <laughs> given what our profession professes to be all about. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, my my uh, I, I've come to I, I came to a realization. I guess maybe oh, ten years ago, maybe more that the the standard direction the standard type of direction that I had been taught when I was training in London in the late uh, uh, late 70s and early 80s was typically something like I'm letting my neck be free or um, mm -hmm. or and then various add-ons to that perhaps and uh, typically, uh, the emphasis was on that word let. That's the key word. You're just going to let it be free. And that sounded like a great idea. And I used it in my own teaching to, to some, some useful effect, I think. But there came a point when I was doing some self-experimentation and I realized that to to for someone to say I'm letting my neck be free and for that to be a useful direction they would have to know how to let their neck be free and mm -hmm. in fact it's very unlikely that they will know how to do it so there will be a subtle bit of trying uh, to 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 you know a little efforting creeping in and, uh, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't say it's a little bit. Sometimes it's it's quite a lot. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it yeah. varies, but um, yeah. 
it's definitely there. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the, the what really, I think, triggered that self-investigation in me was reading Missy Vineyard's book where she brought, used, uh, talked about what, what are often now called negative directions. So a negative neck direction could be I'm not tensing my neck, I'm not tightening my neck, or one of my new favorites, I'm not constricting my neck. They're negative statements grammatically, but of course, operationally, they're quite positive. And the advantage of a statement like that is that it's not making any assumptions that aren't realistic. You know how to, you know what the word no means. You certainly know how to tense your neck. And you're just saying no to it. It's kind of some, I think sometimes these are called inhibitory directions. There are various terms for them. And they were a, in my view, a huge, huge improvement over I'm letting my neck be free, or even worse, I am freeing my neck, uh, even less likely that anyone could do that. Mm-hmm. So that that's kind of my into it, in, in, entry into it. And then more recently, uh, the development of Freedom Directions uh, from Jennifer Roig Francoli, I think... Um, so the free a f- typical freedom direction might be my neck is free and you're not saying that to you're not saying i'm going to do anything to make it free you're just saying that's what i want and it turns out that when you say that your body does what it can to bring that about without you getting drawn into the weeds of how that's going to happen so it's that, to me, it sounds like a little bit Alexander was working out these kind of things and in a slightly different context. But it would you agree that that was the basic issue he was dealing with? These directions that he was using just weren't working as well as he wanted them to. Yeah, but then the curiosity comes in, well, what did he replace them with? Mm. If he stopped using let the neck be free or allow the neck to be free, whatever you'd like to call it, it's the same, it's the same thing dressed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the first, the first thing that really confused me was in uh, 2004, um, I went to Budapest to a conference and Elizabeth Walker was there. She trained with Alexander she started before the war but she finished after the war so she started back in 1946 so she would have been on the training course when he came in and said the statement mm-hmm. so I was saying to her you know what, what did Alexander where did Alexander say the neck was because there were so many different uh, ideas of where you free your neck mm-hmm. um, that I just wanted to get some clear where, where did Alexander say the neck was and she said he never told us. He never told us where the neck was. And that, for me, for a long time, I couldn't believe that someone would be on the training course with Alexander and the main order would let the neck be free, but he never explained where the neck was or how to free it. Yeah. And then when this, when this statement came up, I realized that 
he wanted to move away from those orders. And as far as I know, the, the, the closest thing I can get is what Margaret Goldie used to say to people, because Margaret Goldie was working with Alexander right up until the day he died, almost. Mm -hmm. She used to say, just think of the shoulder coming to a quiet place. And I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure that that's what Alexander started to do. He might have put a hand on the neck. Just think of this area here coming to a quiet place. Mm -hmm. And and for me, that was that made more sense because you can't do a quietness. There's nothing you can do to make something quiet. Right. It's something right. you have to stop. It's something you have to stop doing. Right. And well, I, and yeah. I, yeah. And I tend to use those directions more more often now. It doesn't matter with a shoulder or back or leg, just allow some quietness or some uh, some peace into that area. I, I would even say not even so much allow as ask for. You know, like allow, again, does assume that you know how to allow it to happen. I, I yeah. But on the other hand, if you simply request it, you know, um, there's ease in my neck or something like that, or my neck's in a quiet place. You're just saying what you want, but you are not the one. Mm -hmm. You're not saying, and I'm going to make it happen. You're just saying, this is what I want, and you're trusting that the, the various subsystems in your body-mind will take care of it, which, in fact, is what happens if you stay out of the way. Yeah, yeah. I suppose as well. If you're talking about body parts like shoulders or neck or legs, you're still splitting the person up into many different parts. Sure. Yeah. So I think maybe it's the mind that has to come be, to become quiet. Right. Well, I, I or the yeah. whole of or the whole just the whole of you, sure. the yeah. whole of you come to a place of quietness. Absolutely. And I wouldn't even. Yeah, I would actually go right to the brain itself. My brain mm -hmm. is free, or because in I think people think, well, what's going on in the brain is just that there's neurons, neural activity, but there's a lot going on in your brain. There's actually manufacture of crani of cranial fluid. There's a there is a there's a lot happening in your brain. It's not just sitting there purely electrical stuff although that's important enough there's actual work happening so yeah. but I, to me this whole this whole discussion and Alexander's uh, this in, in now famous tea break at Ashley Place what I think it illustrates it, to me it illustrates two things one that Alexander never fully figured out what the best directions would be. I mean, he was frustrated with what he had earlier on. He tried various things. He was always experimenting. And I'm not sure he ever really got to a place where he was totally happy with with what what the optimal type of direction would be. But the other thing it shows is that the technique is this ongoing process. It's been what 60 70, no, 70 years since that tea break yeah. right more than 70 yeah. years and it would be shocking really 
if we hadn't made some significant progress in the art of self-directing during that period. And I think we have. And I think that's, in a way, Alexander's brilliance was creating a structure of a sort that allowed for people to innovate after he died. You know? Yeah, well, I think this is exactly it. And I think there's so many different ways of teaching the Alexandrian because it depends on where, which book you go to mm-hmm. because they're actually it is a process that kept on changing right up until the time he died. So yes, yes. I think we, whichever way you come in, whichever book you read, that's the, the technique that you'll do. So you will have many different ones. But I think it's important for teachers to realize that it is a process and where do I want to come in on that process? In the in the training course that I run, we have some did some kind of research, and for maybe half an hour, I would ask the student to give the very traditional let the neck be free, head to go forward and up, back to lengthen, knees forward and away, and then with the same person, they would change to allowing places to come to a quiet to quietness, and without exception nearly everybody preferred, felt that they got more out of the second type of orders. So if there are any Alexander teachers listening to this podcast, all I can suggest you do is is get together with a friend or a colleague and just experiment. Experiment on the traditional orders that you usually use and maybe the ones that were more likely that, that Margaret Goldie were using, like come to a quiet place. Or even maybe even experiment with totally new ones. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. You know, I I this is going back to your stories about um, this the Brighton conference in nineteen eighty eight, where the where the the worker there said these people all have something wrong with their necks. I had the mm-hmm. experience when I was in England. I was at the near the end of my training course, and I was on a, um, a residential workshop in a totally different topic in Scotland. And this lady said to me, "You look like not so much someone who's relaxed, but a statue of someone who's relaxed." <laughs> and I thought, what the, what does that mean? You know, I had no idea what she was talking about. But I think now I do know what she was talking about. And I think it yeah. was that little bit of that little or sometimes a lot of stiffness that that creeps into using those kind of those earlier those earlier directions. So yeah, is, is, yeah, I, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, there there was a another story that I had. Um, there was a, a teacher who was on the radio talking about Alexander's technique and releasing tension and all the rest of it. And the interviewer was in, he was in the room with the interviewer and the interviewer said to him, you talk about releasing tension, but you look very stiff. So the interviewer that she picked up on that, that, you know, it, there was something that wasn't um, connecting the, yeah. the, the, the relaxation and yet the outward appearance was actually very stiff and dachy. And then in the last story I have is in 2009 in San Francisco in the Amstad AGM, I did a workshop there and somebody came up afterwards and said, uh, thank you, I enjoyed the workshop and I 
asked her if she came to these every year and she said well I, I, I love coming but I had to stop coming because for three weeks after every AGM I would get a chronic neck problem <laughs> uh, which, which I never got any other time of the year so I had to stop coming so you know there's this kind of feeling that you know I but that's where the doing comes in that is a I'm doing my head forward and up I, I'm I'm making something happen. Yeah, and, 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 and yeah. I think it's quite sad, really. I think it we've missed we're missing the boat if that's going on. If that I, sort I, of stuff going on. Do you? Here's a, a, a sort of a related question that has occurred to me. Um, this sort of um, what we call maybe some dissatisfaction with how how. Uh, classical Alexander directions are working and I think maybe has led to some teachers saying to themselves uh, maybe the best thing is to ditch directions altogether and just do hands-on work and zap our students and that'll take care of it I mean my first stu- my first teacher um, he never talked about directions um, mm-hmm. He just did hands-on work, and it was good work. He was a McDonald-trained teacher. He, it was good work, and it sure made a big difference in my functioning. But when I asked him about directions, because I started reading about the technique, he said, oh, that's only for very, very advanced students, which obviously I was not. And <laughs> um, I think that maybe the 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 problems with directions earlier on has just caused some teachers to dismiss them as being way less important than the hands-on aspect of the technique whereas for me personally I think they are the most important part of the technique the hands-on certainly can be valuable but you know a teacher with amazing hands Marjorie Barstow she used them very sparingly she was interested in getting people to think and she would use her hands if that if that facilitated that process but she was very sparing in how she used her hands mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so well well i i think the use of the hands are, is very important because i think you see if you see a, a three-year-old child mm-hmm. the direction is already in them the freedom is already in them Right. So we're using our hands to remove what is stopping that freedom and direction from being there. It, it's innate in every single human being. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to do. We're not trying to create a direction. That direction is in the human beings, and we have to stop doing what we're doing to prevent that freedom and that direction from taking place. Yeah. Well, that I mean, that's kind of. That I would say that's sort of the essence of the Alexander technique, teaching people yeah. how to get out of the way of what is there, yeah. is potentially available. So, is exactly. there is there anything else you want to say about on this topic before we come to an end? No, but I just think it's a really important uh, area of the technique to investigate. And I have a, a feeling that the Yalitan technique isn't as popular now as it was in the 70s or 80s. And I think partly because 
people can smell a rat. So when Alexander teaches, they're giving their directions and they look a little stiff. Uh, people think, I don't want to look like that. Uh, but they do want to be looking like graceful. They do want to be looking free. Mm -hmm. They do want to be looking relaxed. I think people moving on. I think we do need to embrace what's going on with people. And, and if we're ever to make the technique more, more accessible to a wider audience. Yeah, I, I think I totally agree with, with everything you just said. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, um, thank you. It's been a really interesting conversation. Um, yeah. Uh, just just yeah. one last thing before sure. you go. I, I just realized while we're talking that most of my books have actually got the traditional Alexander directions in there. So I've got a lot of rewriting to do. Well, yeah, we, I mean, that's, we're all in that boat. Um, I, I remember when I first got went on the training course with with this not knowing any directions, and someone asked about a direction, and um, and there were like multiple answers. And I I noticed that when I was in England, when I would ask what forward and up meant, for example, I had at one point a list of five different self different contradictory descriptions of it. And I think there mm -hmm. was just a lot of confusion about about directions at that period of time, as there is, I suppose, now as well. So yeah. Anyway, yeah, uh, I totally agree. So um, my my guest today has been Richard Brennan, who's an Alexander Technique teacher, author, and he's the director of training at the Alexander Technique Center uh, in Galway, Ireland. I'll be putting a link uh, next uh, by this interview to his website. I'll also have a link to a, web a website where you can find uh, a te learn more about the Alexander Technique and find a teacher anywhere in the world. So Richard, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, you're welcome, Robert. Thank you.